So the question is, how do busy dads get into great shape with limited time, space, and equipment, all while enjoying the process and without sacrificing family time? If you want to know the secrets to dialing in your nutrition, being consistent, and staying motivated to achieve your fitness goals once and for all, then this is the podcast for you. I'm Kevin Torres, and this is the Dad Bod Wad Podcast. All right, my friends, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Kevin Torres, and I'm all about helping new or soon-to-be dads get into amazing shape without sacrificing family time, because I know all too well what it's like to be in the throes of early fatherhood, to have all of those demands pulling for your attention, and the things that you love to do, the things that you need to do tend to fall by the wayside, and you know, you're prioritizing work, you're prioritizing your kids and your wife and your family, and suddenly two, three years go by and you're 20, 30 pounds heavier wondering, how the hell did I get here? And how the hell do I get out of here? And on this show, I give you simple tips and tricks to prioritize yourself for a change so that you can create a legacy of health and fitness and pour from your overflow, all right? Prioritize your health, prioritize your fitness so that you can then pour from that abundance into the rest of your family and create a legacy of health and fitness. So on today's show, I'm joined by John Roman, who is an amazing dude. First of all, he's the founder of the Front Row Dads. It's an amazing group that I'm a part of and you should totally be a part of as well. And he's also the host of the Front Row Dad podcast, which is seriously an amazing amazing podcast. If you're in the business of fatherhood and you want to become a better father, right? Just like hands down. If you just want to become a better father, a better father, you should subscribe and listen to the Front Row Dad podcast starting today and go back into the archives and just listen and listen it. And listen, he's, he's an amazing interviewer and just an amazing guy overall. But before we jump into that conversation, a couple of quick things that I wanted to share with you is one, I put together a brand new PDF of my top 10 go-to workouts from 2021 to 20, from 2020 to 2021. Now, these aren't my top 10 go-to workouts based on my opinion. These are my top 10 go-to workouts based on your opinion. These are the workouts that have the most likes, the most saves, the most shares on Instagram. And, you know, I could see whenever, whenever I say hit that archive button to save this one for later, I can see that hundreds of you have saved these particular workouts. So I compile them into one handy dandy PDF for your convenience so that you don't have to scroll through your saved, you know, posts and, and find the workout right now. You just have a handy dandy PDF that you could access on your phone and boom, you can crush a workout at your convenience, at your leisure, whatever you want. So if you want access to that, just go to forgingelitefathers.net. Just put in your name, your email address, and I'll send you that PDF instantly so you can start crushing your workouts today, right now. Let's go. Pull over. Go start working out on the side of the road. All you need is 10 minutes, all right? Um, Also, if you're not already a part of the Forging Elite Fathers community, the private community on Facebook, it's totally free, and there you're going to find hundreds of like-minded guys like you who are also creating a legacy of health and fitness. Seriously, it's just an amazing community of guys who are sharing their wins, sharing their workouts, sharing their struggles, who are asking questions, who are supporting one another, and it's totally free. Just go to Facebook and and search the Dad Bod Wad private community. If for whatever reason you can't find it, send me a DM on Instagram or on Facebook Messenger, or shoot me an email at kevin at dadbodwad.net, and I'll send you that link so you can access that group for free. And seriously, 
the best part about it is because it's a closed group, everything you post over there or anything you post over there doesn't show up on your public feed, right? So your goofy friends from high school can't make fun of you for trying to be better, for trying to improve yourself, right? So, you know, you can post something there and it won't show up for anybody else to see just in that private community, all right? So use that as like a personal online fitness journal. Seriously, go there and post a sweaty selfie every single day just to hold yourself accountable. It's seriously an amazing community and I can't wait to see you over there. All right, so without further ado, I'm joined by John Roman today. And John Roman seriously helps others be moment makers. John is the founder of the Front Row Foundation, which is a charity established in 2005 that creates unforgettable moments for individuals who are braving life-threatening illnesses. They provide a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to live life in the front row by granting front row moments to live events of their recipients' dreams. And he gets into that in today's conversation, how he started the Front Row Foundation, how he got the idea while he was actually at a live event himself. He's also the founder of FrontRowDads.com, which is an international community of, 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 of amazing guys and fathers. And I said, I'm a part of this community. It's seriously amazing. They host you know, just these awesome seminars regularly, really cool topics around improving yourself as a father, improving yourself as a husband, right? Improving yourself as a man, just amazing content, amazing stuff. He's also the host of the Front Row Dads podcast. And seriously, if you're not listening to this show, you need to listen to this show. They, it's, it's, it's seriously the best. John shares interviews that extract and understand the rituals, routines, and habits that help every man be better fathers and husbands. So seriously, go you know, I, I can't, I, I'm so excited that John's on this show. I can't even like say enough. So without further ado, here's my chat with John Roman. John, man, thanks so much for being on the show. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Kevin, dude, I've been looking forward to this all week and I really mean that, man. I miss you. We haven't <laughs> talked in a while. Dude, I love that. Um, I'm just so excited to, to, to jump in and to share all the things that you're doing with the front row dads and the dad space uh, for, you know, for, for just our community, for guys, single guys, I mean, not single guys, but young guys who are dads, who are just going through this world kind of like, you know, by themselves. And like I was saying earlier, like, you know, as a dad, you don't realize that there, or you don't even know that there are other guys out there that are, you know, that care about being dads, right? It's just like, I don't know, I'm a dad now, what do I do? You know? And so I think I stumbled upon you in the front row dads a couple of years ago when I was first starting the dad bod wad account. And, and I, again, I thought like there was nobody was going to care about being a dad. Nobody's going to resonate with my account. And I started looking at podcasts and I found your podcast and I became a, a fan of the front row dads podcast because you guys cover some really awesome topics and heavy and heavy stuff. And then realized that there was also a community that you were creating the front row dads brotherhood. And just, I just had to introduce you to my audience. So again, super excited that you're here, man. Well, I, I love the work that you're doing, man. I, you know, I, I feel like in part of, part of my dad journey uh, and being a father, um, trying to lead, you know, in the Roman family has been about finding my strength. And I think that's what you do such a good job of talking about, not just physical strength, but mental strength, all forms of strength. And, you know, there's so much of, of the talk about dads being these bumbling idiots can't do anything. 
And I just love how you present yourself to the world. I love how you show up to the world. I love that confidence and humility that you bring. And I'm really grateful to be around guys like you. Dude, thank you so much. That's, that's really kind. So how did you get involved in the dad space? Because I know that you originally started with a charity, the Front Row Organization. Uh, am I right? The Front Row yeah, Organization. Front row where, foundation. Yeah, the Front Row Foundation where you sort of like grant these amazing experiences to 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 people with experiencing life-threatening illnesses. Yep. Um, literally like the front row of an event, right? And and then you, you you started the front row dads. So how did you, you know, tell us the whole journey. The whole story. The whole story. Well, the, from the way that I became a the way that I became a dad, Kevin, was it was a <laughs> cold night in Russia. <laughs> now, the uh, the story of the front row really begins in the summer of 20. When would that have been? The summer of 2015. And I was uh, turning 30. I went to a concert with my girlfriend and we were at a Jason Mraz show and uh, Alanis Morissette, Jason Mraz. We were in the very back, like the balcony of this venue in downtown Philly. And we looked to the front and I remember seeing this group of girls that was having the time of their life. You know, they're singing and they're dancing. And I also noticed that other people in the venue were like checked out. They weren't singing at all. They looked like they'd rather be anywhere other than there. And I just thought it was fascinating to me at the time to recognize that the same thing could be happening in life and people could view it in such radically different ways, you know, same singer, same venue, same day, same moment in time. And yet it, it's so much about our perspective and our blueprint, our views of the world. And that's no judgment, by the way, if somebody didn't like the music, then they didn't like the music. But, but oftentimes also that part of why we're checked out is we're just, it's, it's a choice of how we show up to things. Like we can set an intention. We can show up to an event like that with our spouse, with our friends and say, how am I going to be in this moment? Am I going to be engaged? Am I going to be, am I going to be part of this experience? Am I going to witness this with great joy? And it started to really rattle in my head about how much I had not done that in my life. How many times I had failed to be engaged in a way where I had all these blessings around me, all these gifts around me. And yet I, I, I just wasn't happy or I always wished I was at a better show or in a better seat or whatever. And I realized that I, I, you know, there's a there's a way of approaching life, and I started to see that as what I would call this front row lifestyle, right. which it was about moving closer. You know, the front row is about getting close to the people, places, thoughts, and things that make us come alive as as people, right? As humans, what moves our heart. Well, that's where the whole thing started, man. And then it turned into a charity. And then I wrote a book called The Front Row Factor. I would travel around the country and even around the world giving speeches about being you know, in the front row and what that means and lifting others up and shining the light on other people. We put a lot of attention on like, are you playing the game of life? And sometimes we like discount the people that are the fans. Right. But you know, being a fan is not, doesn't mean you're a loser who can't play the game. I mean, sometimes like as a parent, think about that. It's, I find great joy in watching my kids play sports it, it, and, and hopefully nobody's looking at me going, oh, there's the loser dad who won't play the game himself. It's like, no, man, sometimes there's a time to just shine the light on somebody else, make somebody else the rock star, make somebody else the fan, point the light at them. 
And that's the whole philosophy, right? Is a light. It's it's about being in the moment. It's a it's a methodology of engaging, but through service of of lifting others up. Well, I got to this point in my life where my son was six. I have two boys at the time. I have a six year old and a one year old. I'm traveling the world. I'm making more money than I've ever made before. I'm living my absolute dream life. I thought until. I kind of woke from this trance that I had put myself in for a period of years because to get the business going, you really needed to put on the blinders and just get laser focused and kick ass. And, you know, there was truth to like telling my wife, if I don't go grind today, like we're not going to be able to pay the mortgage. There was a time when that was really true. But then what happens is when you get into the place where you're making money, if you don't check that habit of grinding, and what you do is you keep chasing more. You keep chasing more money, more fame, more significance, more impact, more whatever in the outside world. And you forget that your main job is to make an impact at home. And you build this habit that once served you, but now hurts you. And that's what happened to me in 2016 when I finally like was able to get some self-awareness around the fact that I was being a moment maker for everybody else, but not for my very own family. I was busy kicking ass for the world, but you know, at the expense of my family. I was pouring in every day, telling my wife the best hours of the morning hours. I got to crush it. Hey, I just got to work this one evening. Hey, I got to finish this deadline. I got to get out this weekend, whatever it would be. And the truth is that I was hiding at work, Kevin. That's the reality. The reality is if I'm being honest with myself, once I was able to put, you know, food on the table and pay the mortgage, I was hiding at work. I'd, I'd gotten caught up in that habit. So finally, we got a group of guys together and said, look, we got to talk about how to be a great dad. I feel like I'm failing here. Everybody else raised their hand. They're like, I feel like I'm failing too. And not maybe not even failing, but struggling, right? Like hurting, <laughs> questioning, you know, all different types of emotions. And, and, you know, guys were in different seasons of their lives and had different ages of kids and things like that. But what I realized is everybody had something to offer. Everybody had something great to say. And also everybody had a wound. They had a weakness. They had a moment where they're like, I don't know what to do in my marriage. I don't know what to do with this teenager that I've got. I don't know what to do with this newborn that I've got. I'm questioning myself. I've got imposter syndrome. All these things show up. And, um, you know, 30 guys got together in Philadelphia right outside of Independence Hall. Right, 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 right where the founding fathers, you know, made magic happen. And we were right there in 2016, symbolically all the declaring that we need to be better fathers and to each other. And so we decided to, that, that group of 30 has now turned into a group of 200 plus men from 10 different countries. And we have an incredible culture that you are a part of Kevin and so grateful that you are. And that's where we are right now. And that's how we got here. That's amazing, man. And I think so many people who are listening right now must resonate with that too, because that, that struggle or that feeling as though like, like I'm in this, but I don't know exactly what I'm doing. And the things that I think are helping and serving my family are, you know, like what are our priorities? And I find myself doing this all the time, John. And I, it's so frustrating because like, you know, as, as like a, as a indie entrepreneur who's running a small business, like I feel like I'm doing everything on my own. And one of the things that I'm constantly doing is looking at my phone Yeah, and and I can't tell you how many times I hear a question like two or three times and it finally resonates with me that I'm being asked a question, but I'm staring at my freaking phone. Yeah. Yeah. 
happens in my house, man, you know, as the leader of the front row dads and as somebody who's very conscious of that, I still do it. I, you know, I, I, I think to myself sometimes I'm like, God, my sons, my boys see mom and dad on their phone constantly. And not always because I'm looking at Facebook or Instagram or whatever. It's like, sometimes yeah. I'm checking the calendar. Sometimes I'm, you know, things that are relevant to the family, like looking at directions on how to get my son to jujitsu, but still there's this thing that's sucking me in and a good portion of it. I don't need to really be looking at it. I just look at it because it's entertaining or because of habit. Have you ever picked up your phone, Kevin, and literally just opened something and you're like, how did I even get here? It's yeah, like on autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I was at an event, a family event hosted by my buddy, Mike McCarthy a couple years ago. And one of the things that they were talking about was kids and their feelings about their parents using their phones. And the kids all went into another room with these counselors and talked and wrote and drew pictures and had conversation around this. And then they came back in and the presentations were like tear jerking, man. Like, you know, how, how they felt um, second place to their parents' phones that really were like, we think that our job is to like manage our children's phone time and all that as we should, but we really need to be managing our own. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll put myself first in line to say <laughs> I am not, I'm working in that, in that area. So I don't want anything to appear for the record that I've got it figured out and everybody should do what I say. Like I am in this with everybody trying to figure it out day to day. Yeah. And something that you've openly said is like, you don't have the answers, right? But you got a group of guys together who, who, you know, everybody had something to contribute. Everybody had something to say on this topic. And like the other day, you know, just to talk about the cell phone for one more minute, the other like a week ago or two weeks ago, I took like a Sunday detox where I was like, I announced it on Instagram. I'm like, Hey, I'm not going to be here. I'm, you know, I'm out of here for the day. I'll see you tomorrow. And, uh, and it was really good. You know, like I still looked at my phone, like out of habit, like, and it would be like, Nope, I'm not looking at Instagram, but like, you know, check my email, refresh my email or something like that. But yeah, man, it was like so refreshing to just be off of Instagram for like one whole day. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I, I was at an event recently with um with my friend JP Sears. He's a comedian. You may know him. A lot of people, he has a pretty big presence online. And he was talking about the the light inside and the wisdom inside and how, you know, there's no we all want to learn from and with amazing people. Of course we should. And we there's a ratio of how much though we need quiet to just listen to our own voices. Right. It's like why my kids when they come up to me, they're like, I'm bored. I'm like, good. <laughs> That's great because that, that when we get silent, when we minimize the distractions, when we eliminate all these things that are pulling at us, the thousands of ads, the interruptions, we finally start to hear what we think, which is an important part of the equation, not the only part, but like an important piece and needs to be in the ratio of outside influence and inner influence. Yeah, man, it's true. Um, and I think you actually posted about that uh, a while back in the in the Front Row Dads Facebook community of just like having like think time, having time to just like think and reflect and process. Um, is that like part of your morning routines or anything like that? My morning routine is so inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite morning routine is the one I've never done. Right. You know, it's it's 
I know some people thrive in being in, in habit that way. The thing I do have as a habit is I do very consistently give to myself in the morning. It just depends on how and why. And I'm very much in my body saying, what do I need this morning? And I try to pay attention to whether or not those are just excuses like, yeah, I need another pop tart and some movies, <laughs> you know, like what's pulling at you that way versus like, no, genuinely, do I need to journal today? Genuinely, do I need to meditate today? You know, do I need to go for a run? Like what, what does my body need? What does my mind need? Because it differs. And I think it probably should, but I have like a buffet of healthy things I do in the morning. And one of them is to sit without doing anything. And it's actually like no breathing strategy, no meditation intention, no nothing. Just can you sit? And my challenge was, can I sit with a cup of coffee until it's gone without doing anything. And what, what I shared, and you probably know this and I'll share it with your audience here, is that here's what I learned. If I, in the past, I would sit in silence and then I would have an idea. I'm like, oh, that's great. And I would pick up my phone and I would enter it as a task, a to-do. I would, and then I would typically get pulled into something that way on, on my phone or whatever. It was the, started as an innocent little note and then got pulled in. What I found in this case was if I didn't, take action. And sometimes I have to literally like sit on my hands to not take the action. But if I can refrain from that and I let two ideas, three ideas go by that are great ideas, I'll get a fourth idea that's brilliant in my opinion, right? I'm like, (laughs) ah, that's so good. That's 10 times better than idea number one, two, or three. But I would have never gotten to idea number four if I would have been busy taking action on idea number one and two and three. So then it brings up that debate of like, how important was idea number one, two, and three? Maybe I needed to let that go. A good idea for a great idea. Right. And how long that is or how many ideas need to pass. Well, you just play with that. And I think it's up to each individual to find what works for them. But I found that was really cool. Like I would look around my house and I would be like, I've never looked at that painting. That painting's been on my wall for the last year. I don't think I've seen it one time. I've been in this room a thousand times. I don't think I've seen that painting. And I'm like, wow, how many things am I numb to that I should be aware of? And are you, and you're not, you're not writing anything down at all during this time? Nothing. The whole goal is don't do anything. The discipline of stopping the discipline of no, the discipline of you don't have to be, it's like, it's like I'm a, sometimes I'm so good at being productive that I become like a, like a robot. I have an idea. I know exactly what to list to put it on. And like, I proud, I was priding myself on that as a young man of how productive I could be, how fast I could execute on an idea. And now I pride myself at age 45 on how quickly I cannot execute on that idea. And, but again, there's a ratio because I do kick ass every day on the things that I've identified as our lead dominoes, which is in our value statement for front row dads, right? This, this intentional execution, the, the second value is called lead domino. And so that's really what it's about. I just wanted to get better at playing the game. You know, I wanted to make this more strategic. I I wanted to learn what was the little hinge that swings the big door, as the saying goes. Right. I think that's so awesome that you shared, you know, your your 
your, your morning routine and that it's not like this, like, oh, this is like this perfect. I wake up at four o'clock and then I meditate for 45 minutes, and, you know, because you hear all these other guys, right? These other, you know, busy entrepreneurs. And it's like, oh yeah, what's your morning routine? And it's like, oh yeah, I wake up and then I meditate and then I drink this tea and then I go into an ice bath then I go into a hot bath. Then I work out for 45 minutes. Then I do yoga for 80 minutes. And then I do this for, it's like, how, what is that? A full day routine? What are you talking about? How is that a morning routine? Um, and then, yeah. re, you know, real dads have absolutely no, no, no way in, in, you know, that kind of time to like squeeze in all of those things. And then people feel as though like they can't commit to anything then in the morning, like if they're not going to be able to do, you know, this crazy guy's, you know, 45 tasks for his morning routine type of thing. It's like, well, if I can't do that, I might as well do nothing. And I love your idea yeah. of like, no, no, no. What do you need to do this morning? What does your body need? What do you, your, your, your spirit need? Like, do you need to journal? Maybe you need to run, but you don't have to do it all every single morning. Yeah. And you know what a lot of guys need to be doing in the morning, even more than their morning routine is sleeping. Like I, I get the waking up early, but I've also seen it happen where, you know, some of the people that I've seen, like woke up at 4am, woke up at 4.30am. And then after a while that program they're on doesn't work. And then you're like, I found myself in the hospital <laughs> with a breakdown <laughs> because I burnt the candle at both ends. And and look, sometimes that's how we need to figure out our lives is to do that. Right. And I've certainly done that. I had moments this last year where I, I wasn't getting enough sleep. Um, but again, I think that what we do as businessmen oftentimes is we're like, the answer is work harder. Oh, I got a long to-do list. Well, rather than thinking about why do I have a long to-do list, who else could I, what, what really needs to be on there? We're just like, I'm going to wake up earlier and knock it all off. So we pride ourselves in the productivity. We pride ourselves in doing the routine that somebody told us we need to be doing and not really figuring out what works for us. Strategic, right? Strategic moves. There's no doubt there's a time and a place to hustle, but not all the time. Yeah. I mean, I definitely wake up early every morning and, and, and I, I'm hoping it doesn't catch up with, catch up to me. Um, but it's just, you know, it's just so difficult with like two, you know, with, with lockdown and quarantine and all this stuff with school shut down, like my kids are home all day, every day, you know, my wife is working from home. So literally like the morning time is like the only time that I could like get some quiet time. And uh, let me be clear, Kevin, I want to yeah. make sure that I say this to you and everybody. I'm not opposed to waking up early yeah. at all. I think it's great. I just think that at times sleep is something that we put as like, well, I'll just do that when I die type right. of deal. And, and I, and I, by the way, I've never even asked you your opinion on sleep and what that is, but it really started to show up for me as like a detrimental thing. And so, but the thing about waking up early, here's what doesn't matter about the whole waking up early, unless you have the conversation about what time you're going to bed, it doesn't really matter what time you're waking up because it's always right. like, I wake up at 4am every day, but if you go to bed at 7.30 PM, then great. Right. <laughs> But if you're going to bed at 1 a.m. and waking up at 4.30, you're gonna, you're, I think you're going to have some health issues at some point down the road. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's true. Um, that, that's one of my points that I was talking about with my guys last night is when, when setting up your morning routine, it's like if you, it starts with your evening routine. Totally. Um, you know, just like getting to bed, you know, having a bedtime, a set bedtime um, and sticking to it if you do plan on waking up early because, you know, trying to stay up and watch, you know, David Letterman or whatever, if anybody... That, He's not even on anymore. Um, but, you know, staying up to watch the late shows and then waking up early. That's what makes waking up in the morning hurt. Totally. So 
you also just got back from a family vacation and something that you've said in the past is like, you know, like vacations are an adventure, right? There's like this idea, like you go on vacation, it's supposed to be relaxing, whatever. And, you know, and my wife and I actually have this conversation often, like, what kind of vacation do you want to go on? It's like, sometimes you just want to go on a resort and have it all inclusive and not have to think about anything. And then sometimes you want to go to a new exotic place and like, you know, you're actually working that entire time, right? You're like exploring, you're walking, you're doing all kinds of stuff. And it's not really relaxing. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's an adventure. So you, you said like vacations are an adventure and adventures are supposed to be messy and you just got back from a vacation. So, you know, you've said this, how did you apply it in real time in real life with your family on this last vacation? Well, one is just setting the right mindset about what this is going to be. You know, and uh, vacation to me, there can be a vacation, which really where you recharge and you get get a lot of quiet time and there's space and you're reading a beach or reading a book on the beach. Those those can feel like vacations. Right. Um, But I I realized that, like, I sometimes will refer to it as a vacation. I'm like, I'm taking the family on vacation. And but now internally, I immediately think I'm really taking them on an adventure. Look, if we're doing a road trip and we're camping for four days in a national park in the middle of a desert, like this is going to have some stuff. (laughs) It's probably not going to be super relaxing, but it's going to be meaningful. You know, there's, there's mess in meaning, right? Like that's that they go hand in hand lots of times. Like it's, and so I even noticed that on the trip, there were moments when I was really struggling emotionally, but when I got back, I'm like laughing about the stuff, telling my buddies about it and reflecting back. It's like, I'm glad, I'm glad we did that. I'm glad we went through that adversity together, but look, you throw everybody in the car and, you know, close proximity friction creates fire. There's bound to be things that pop up. So for us, it was a lot of learning about who we were, who we were together. Um, one of the greatest things was that I, uh, took away all screens on the way home. So no, like it was a seven hour drive. There was no screens and we listened to an audio book together. So we listened to the alchemist Mm -hmm. and the kids were the, they were totally engaged and they're looking at the beautiful scenery and they're listening to this book and there's no fighting. And there's just this great book being, you know, uh, you know, being listened to in the car. And I got to the end, I'm like, that was awesome. Like a lot of times I'd hand them screens, hand them the iPad, because I thought that was what we needed to be able to have a chat amongst adults or whatever. Right. Oftentimes handing them the screens turns into more bickering, more fighting, more complaining. Um, it, I've noticed, I don't know if you noticed this too, and I, I've had guys tell me this, it's like they, you hand the screen thinking this is going to create more happiness. But my kids, whenever they're done with screens, I, I notice a shift in their energy that's not good. Like it, they're, they're a different person when they have screen day. They're a different person after the screen. They're not happy. Like, wow, I feel filled up as a person, I'm more energized. I'm more high spirited. It's like everything after that sucks. They are like the minute it turns off, they're depressed. It's like a drug. Like the minute they stop getting it, it's worse. They're, so. they're like physically drained sometimes. Like, yes. Um, it, like, and, and like my, or my daughter will look like she has like bags on her eyes, even if she's only watched like. 10 minutes or 15 minutes of TV. It just looks like she has bags on her eyes afterwards. And, um, you know, I get, I'm guilty of this. We, we have set TV times for, for our kids. So like after nap, 
like around three in the afternoon, you know, we'll let them watch a few minutes of TV. But every now and then, if I'm like, you know, like if I have to do something in the morning, I just like need like a, just a few minutes of quiet time, or maybe I'm just feeling like a little nice, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll put on the TV for a few minutes. And then, like you said, they, we turn it off and then they start whining, they start fighting. And then my wife will come out and be like, did they get screen time? Because they they don't act like this. And it's like, yeah, they did get screen time. Yeah. And do I look, I'm gonna look back over the last number of years. Did I give my kids screens? Dude, there were some days my kids probably got seven hours of screen, <laughs> you know, like literally. And I remember there being moments in my dad journey where I felt like it was survival. I was like, I'm either gonna turn on this movie and you're gonna watch this, or I'm gonna murder you. <laughs> like right. this is this movie is going to save your life. Um <laughs> And, and I, I think that's like, I think, cause I want to be real with everybody, right? Like this is, I'm not a perfect dad. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely leaned on screens many, many times. And the only reason I know that I don't like what happens after the screens is because I've done them, you know, right. and I've done them out of what I felt was real necessity, like, especially at different ages and stages where, look, I have an 11 year old. If I just said, look, I've got to talk to your mom. I need you to give me 20 minutes. He's going to give me 20 minutes. But if you have a two-year-old and you need 20 minutes with your spouse or somebody's going to lose their life in your house, then yeah, I get like, hey, watch this, you know, cartoon so I can go get a minute to breathe, right? Or that I can, and I get sometimes it's like safety. Like if you're watching that cartoon, you're generally going to be safe because you're not going to move because you're going to be glued to that thing. And I can feel better about having to do whatever I got to do to keep it going. So a lot of respect for a lot of the parents out there trying to make it work. Absolutely, ma'am. Well, what else, what else did you discover on this trip? What were some of your big takeaways? <laughs> well, uh, one of them was that I, as a man, um, which I think for years, people would have probably put me in that category of being like this, you know, that label of like this metrosexual dude, right? <laughs> Who's like hippie or not a hipster, you know, um, it, it, it was, there was a lot of like, um, cerebral activities in my life from my twenties to my, to really 40, it was a lot of reading and it was business and it was white collar type work at times. It was right. Sitting in a coffee shop, reading, and then giving a speech or writing a book. Right. Right. Um, and, and here's what was missing. Like actual, like, can I take care of my family? Like not just financially, but like, could I, find shelter? Could I build a fire? Could I cook food? Could I hunt food? Could I forage food? Could I grow food? Could I like, there is a primal nature to all of us humans, because look, we've been around for a long ass time. (laughs) And it's only in the last couple of hundred years that we've had these luxuries that have been right. And even in the last 20 years or 50 years, like crazy, but our beings, our primal nature, there's a piece of me that's drawn to that, that I do stand a little taller and puff my chest out a little more when I can take care of my family, when I know how to set up a tent and build a fire and, and survive, if you will, not real survival, but you know, like more than living in my home in Austin, Texas with Whole Foods three miles from my house, right? There's a, there's a, something really cool about that, man. So that's a piece of it for me was feeling like I was able to like provide for my family. I also like the setting of that. I think one of the wins was sitting around the campfire. We have some great conversation, man, laying in the tent, you know, being together in that way. My son 
I don't know if you saw the picture of my six-year-old who beat me in chess, yeah. but we were playing chess at the picnic table and he beat me. And it was just like, I'm like, we're in the middle of a national park playing chess together. I remember we went on this hike and we got like into this Canyon and I started to get a little turned around. And then I had to like use my navigation skills and I was prepared. I had water. I had a life straw with me. And I remember talking to the kids about being prepared and there was just pieces of this man that really made me feel great. So that's one thing. Um, can you relate to that? I mean, yeah, I think, I think deep down inside every guy has like that's that insecurity, right? It's like, are we too comfy? Are we too cozy? Right. If, if, if you dependent if, on the system. Yeah. Like if shit hits the fan, what am I going to do? Right. Right. Um, you know, more than just like owning a gun or something like what can i really do and i think we like daydream in our heads like yeah we play these scenarios in our head like absolutely i would save the family right and then it's like what would i really <laughs> you know like you know can i really like step up if i needed to step up in those in, in in certain key moments so yeah that totally resonates and not everybody lives in a place where they have easy access to a national park or even camping. Like, I understand that there's lots of different listeners out there in lots of different situations, but there are different ways to be like, here's an example. If, if you are in a real state of emergency, which, okay, I'm in Austin, Texas. You guys just were. Like, it hasn't snowed here in like a yeah. hundred, right? Like, I mean, like real snow in like a hundred years. Well, we had a major ice storm. The entire state was struggling we were out of water in our home for seven days. The entire city of Austin had no water for seven days. Um, people were driving two and three hours to go get water. There was like emergency stations set up. Well, because of front road ads in our community and these guys helping me see like how to really take care of my family. I always thought this was nuts. I was like, I'm not a prepper. I'm not like a new build a nuclear bunker type of guy. But I also was like, man, I'm a little bit ignorant thinking that there's always going to be somebody there to take care of me. And the truth is the Calvary is not always coming right to like save the day or the cops not always going to be there or the person or the water or the food or whatever. So I had a 55 gallon water storage unit about these life straws about this Berkey water filtration system. And all of a sudden I'm like sleeping well at night because I realized I was prepared. We had water. We were, we were in good shape. And I thought, this is what it's about. That was a, you could do this for a couple hundred bucks and like a couple hours of time. But if you don't have a way to filter water, if there's really a catastrophic event, I mean, this has happened around the world where people are, you know, have friends that have witnessed it, you know, like there's a tornado, they're on vacation somewhere and there's a tornado and it comes through and there's no water and you're drinking water out of a, of a muddy puddle. And so not, not to be doom and gloom, but it's like prepared. We have a philosophy, which is just prepared, not paranoid. Like we're talking a couple hundred bucks, a couple hours of your time can really get you out of a tough situation. And as a dad, that feels great. When, when during the pandemic, my wife and I took the family upstate and we stayed up there for like six months, right? We just rented a house. We were there for six months. And I felt like a little like insecure about like, if, if something goes down up here, like I I'm not familiar with the place. Like, what can I really do? You know, I need a pistol. Um, and then one day we lost power for just like, you know, it was just for a few hours. But what struck me was, you know, I gave myself some slack. I'm like, look, I'm not from here. So like, I don't have a generator in this house, right? I wouldn't have, have bro but what struck me was like how so many people just don't even have like a generator in their house. Right. 
Like, yes, why? exactly. If I, a, if I had a house with a garage and a basement, like I'd have a generator. How much could it possibly cost? Well, dude, here's the other one. Ready? Here's a couple easy ones. You can buy this um, small battery generator that you can charge by solar panels from this company called, I think it's called Jackery is what it is. And um, very cool product. I bought it. I have it. We used it camping. You, it's like this maybe two foot tall solar panel board that unfolds, charges up this, this battery. It looks like a car battery, right? And you can plug in stuff to that. You can plug in and charge a phone. Now, if there's really an emergency and you had to do so, like, this is not going to run your refrigerator. It's not going to, you know, provide heat for a week, but it will allow you to communicate. Some people are like, look, if there's a real emergency and the cell phone towers go down, how are you going to talk to anybody? Right. It, how are you going to communicate? So then you start learning about things like two-way radios and, you know, what, like, but and again, I'm not making this a full, I'm not going to start a prepper channel. Right, right. <laughs> I will not be starting a prepper channel, but dude, I can sleep a lot better at night knowing where we are. Yeah. For when Texas secedes. And then... yeah, dude, it's possible. <laughs> Look, there's a lot of, there's a lot of movement going on right now and I don't know where everything ends up, but um, anything that's built can be, can collapse. Anything yeah. that goes, goes up can come down and Absolutely. every person should be thinking about how to take care of themselves. And then so that we can take care of each other, it's like a good marriage. If you go to your marriage and you're like, I'm broken and I need you to fill up my cup and fix me and I'm not whole and I'm only complete with you, that's going to be a tough marriage. Right. But if you're like, I'm going to find a way to take care of myself, to fill myself up, to do the things I need to feel whole and complete as a person. So when I come to the relationship, I come with a hundred percent of me, right? So, so that we can then pour into each other. And when somebody's cup dips for a minute, right? When, when their tank empties for a minute, we can help them. But if somebody keeps coming with a perpetual state of emptiness with their hand out, help me, fix me, take care of me. That's a tough place to live from and survive. So true, dude. So in the Front Row Dads community, Tell everybody a little bit about like some of the some of the sessions that you guys have, some of the seminars that you're holding, and some upcoming stuff coming down the pike. Yeah, man, I'm so pumped about where things are right now and and what we're lining up. So every 60 days, we're having these uh, online summit events. So it is about five hours deep immersion, and the difference between that and like listening to a podcast, which you and I both have podcasts. We both love podcasts. I think they have a place. They're wonderful. I listen to them daily. But the, the online summit is different because you, you interrupt the pattern. You break away from the daily routine. You get immersed in conversation with great men and guys who are successful, who are being honest, who are there to like have a perspective with you that can catch a blind spot that you might not see on your own, right? That's yeah. the difference of having a conversation with somebody and just hearing content one direction. So these events, every 60 days, we cover all six of our pillars throughout the year, which are six topics that we care about, parenting, marriage, business, wealth and legacy, right? Emotional intelligence, vibrant health, which is, you know, you're, you're one of our experts in that space, Kevin. And it's um it's cool, man. These these one day events are game changers. So imagine just six days, half days, where you're like, I'm gonna check in 
I'm going to allow this to be my accountability where I can check in and say, all right, one to 10, how am I doing in this category? Where do I want to be? All right, where, where are my challenges? And then you talk to other people about how, what's the fastest way to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. And that's the purpose of those. And then we all, of course, have our monthly training calls and we have conversation happening in our different groups online, um, resources that are available. But yeah, what's coming up next is marriage. So we've got Kevin, um, I'm sorry, Kevin, thinking about you, man. We've got Dr. Kelly Flanagan, who's going to be in, he wrote a book called Lovable and another book that just came out called True Companions. And he's going to come in and do work with our guys on how to have a thriving marriage. What do you need to do for you and for, for your spouse? Um, it's going to be a great day. And that's what I love about the front row dads, you know, your podcast and, and the community is like the, the vulnerability and the, the topics covered, right? Even like the ones that are seemingly taboo, you know, even just like talking about sex, right? And, you know, just like how that's like, you know, like a, such a obviously pivotal part of a relationship, but yet nobody talks about it. It's just like, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to talk about it or finances, right? Like people aren't comfortable talking about finances, but it's like, okay, well, you know, then if you don't want to talk about it, nothing's ever going to get fixed. And so I just think the topics that you guys cover are amazing. And then on top of that, like, um, you know, the seminars themselves are really cool. There's like breakout rooms, there are notes, you know, there's like, it's just like, it's, it's a full immersion, having conversations with guys who you probably wouldn't have had conversations with. Otherwise, it's not just like a regular zoom call slash webinar where you hop on and listen to somebody drone on for, you know, an hour or two. It's, it's interactive, which I think is great. Hugely interactive and props to our designer and facilitator, Steve Burchard. He does a world-class job. I mean, we invest thousands of dollars into this event. Um, this is definitely not just a couple of people jumping on zoom, shooting the shit. Like this is well planned two months in advance. I mean, it's, uh, it's a tremendous amount of work. Almost everybody who's ever attended that runs other online events is like, this is one of the greatest online events I've ever been to. Are we, our rate, we have a hundred percent net promoter score and 99.6 rating on our last event, which is incredible. That's awesome, man. Um, and you also did like a little workout break that I got to host. That was yeah, cool. <laughs> man. Yeah, that's right. That was so cool. Um, would love to do one of those again. That was so much fun. For sure, hundred um, percent. So, where could people find you? Where can people find out more about the Front Row Dads? Where can people connect? Frontrowdads.com has everything. Um, we're actually going through a little bit of a of, of an update on that site, which is cool. I'm so pumped for the new stuff to be unveiled. Rachel, as you know, on our yeah. team, she's our community manager. She's killing it. And she created some amazing updates to the website. We've got some killer interviews there um, that you guys should definitely go check out. Um, our, we have a list of our top interviews. We had like Zach Bush on there talking about the evolved father. That's our most popular episode. He is brilliant. We had Jim Dethmer talking about being present with your kids. He wrote the 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. We've had, uh, I had Kim Anami. Who does uh, who does sex work right? Like this is what she does. She's in the in that space, and she talked to us about how to have better sex, and it was like straight up, like real talk. And uh, that was one of our top episodes. Big shocker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I emailed Big you shocker. about that episode. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I'm pretty honest with people too. I'm like pretty honest about where I fell short in that department and like (laughs) how, what I learned and how I was able to like, why my wife went from basically telling me I was kind of vanilla to like bragging to our friends that I had turned into some sex God. (laughs) And I was like, this is awesome, man. 
And it's just what's so crazy is we we're not you're not born excellent at that. You don't you're you're not gonna probably be excellent if you just listen to some shitty advice from your buddies at a bar on a weekend. Like, right. you, but when you really take it seriously, um, when you really learn, when you really dig in, you know, um, you're gonna learn. You're gonna figure out some shit. You're like, holy cow! Like, how did I get to be 40 years old and nobody ever told me this? Or how did I never seek out this information? Because my poor wife, good Lord, like her life is a lot better now. That's hysterical, man. I got to go re-listen to that episode now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I, I, there's a couple of those shows where we've had some really honest chats um, about, yeah, about what happens in the bedroom. So there's a couple of shows. And I also think it's so important, you know, because I think that, you know, th- this community that you've created is so important because I, I feel like generationally, right? Like the way our world is right now, we're in the middle of two worlds, right? We're in the middle of like, there are some of us who still remember landline phones with the cord that wrapped around forever, right? And then there are some who are like, you know, and you had communities, you had institutions that you were part of, the church or, you know, a local club or, you know, other other organizations that you were in person a part of. And now everything has moved to online. It's like, so, so it's like, um, like, I don't, you know, I don't see anybody. Do I interact with anybody? What do I do? Um, and it's like, do I, but I don't want to get on an online community. Who does that? That's for weirdos. And, you know, we just like transitioned that I feel, I still think we haven't quite fully made that transition yet. We're in the middle of that transition. And, um, and I think you guys are doing it really, really well and proving that you can do an online community really well. Yeah. Thank you, man. We're putting a lot of effort into this and it's a privilege to serve the guys. And I'm right. I'm, I think that part of what, why it works for me is I'm showing up as a client. So I'm like, I'm, I'm one of the guys. And so I'm just creating what I ultimately need myself as a, as a dad and a, and a husband and as a business guy who wants to try to get it all done and, and to honor my commitments in priority order. Hell yeah, man. I love that. Well, John, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Um, are you on? I know you took a hiatus from social media, but where can people find you? Well, yeah, I'm kind of dabbling back in the space. We'll see how <laughs> that goes. If I get addicted, I'll have to bow out again. But uh, no, it, it, I think frontrowdads.com is the best place to go for all stuff. But you can catch me. I'm John Vroman, J-O-N-V-R-O-M-A-N. John Vroman, um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, etc. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time again, man. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. So there you have it. My thanks again to John Roman of the Front Row Dads. Again, you can check out Front Row Dads at frontrowdads.com or hit up their podcast, The Front Row Dads. And seriously, it's an amazing podcast, an amazing community. As you can hear, John has an amazing voice. He's an amazing interviewer. He's just an amazing dude all around. All right. So thanks again, John. I really appreciate you taking the time. And if you found this episode helpful or useful in any way, I'd love for you to share it with a friend or subscribe to the show. Uh, Leave a comment, leave a review. Your reviews are so tremendously helpful. One, I love to read all of them. And two, that they help other guys like you find this amazing resource and this amazing community that we're all trying to build together. All right. I know when you go to Amazon.com, you read the reviews before you buy, right? And so when people are browsing podcasts, they do too. And so I'd love for them to see your reviews down there as well. All right, guys. Until next week, let's go. Let's keep forging elite fathers and let's keep creating a legacy of health and fitness. Let's go.